Worldwide economy recaps on what's been moving global markets, how it all works, and exactly what it means for investors and others interested in macroeconomics, as well as you know the kind of crazy politics behind it all. Right, so today we'll be covering uh, Trump's most recent wave of tariffs on the EU and the mischievous or mischievous uh, politics behind them. We're also going to be touching upon the importance of the independence of central banks, yet how it actually may be eroding in the United States. Welcome to World Wild Economy. Right, so I'm going to uh, get into the end indices straight away for this week. So S&P 500 has, been, uh, has actually gone down this week, 0.6%. The week 20 down 2.7%. And the uh, stocks 600 down 2.8%. Both of them kind of um, led by Trump's most recent wave of tariffs. Uh, which are planned to set in on the 18th of October, I believe, affecting a multitude of industries and applying a further mist in the field of monetary policy uh, in the uh, in Europe, sorry, and you know in the in the U U.S. as well, to be honest. Anyways, gold futures up seven dollars per ounce, up to one thousand five hundred and ten dollars per ounce as of now. And essentially, I'll just kind of uh, get right into the WTO ruling. So essentially, the World Trade Organization. Um, has provided a ruling siding with the US on a 15-year-long uh, dispute with the EU on the topic of uncompetitive, potentially illegal subsidies uh, for Airbus, essentially a French um, aircraft producer. And essentially, uh, what, what, what Trump is going to be doing now is obviously targeting, targeting um, implementing some targeted tariffs, targeting aircrafts at 10%, industrial and agricultural products at 25%, and it's essentially a total value of it's around 7.5 billion US dollars of taxable imports, namely cheese. Uh, there's been, uh, what else, EU wine, sweaters even, uh, a whole array of products. You can definitely check it out. It's been published uh, just about on every kind of news outlet uh, showing essentially uh, all the things that are being now uh, play now that are going to have a tariff placed upon them, sorry, uh, with some conditions. I believe one of the conditions is that the tariff on wine only applies to wines below 14% alcohol content. It's uh, there's some and, and it doesn't even apply to like uh, wine over two liters. Uh, some weird conditions, uh, you know, it doesn't really make sense. Nevertheless, if there is some sort of correlation between alcohol content and the price of the good, uh, that can maybe say why, or you know, maybe the demographics that drink it the most. I know that red wine actually is uh, drank mainly by your typical Americans, so white, 50 to oh, it's around 45 to 70 years of age or 60 years of age, uh, married, you know, someone who essentially enjoys wine on a nice evening with their family, with their spouse, and goes to work or maybe is retired soon. I looked at some statistics, mainly baby boomers. So obviously, I'm not saying that he's targeting them specifically. However, that is the demographic which will be most affected by, uh, let's say, a tariff on uh, wine or red wine or whatever that might be. Anyways, so uh, what was I saying? Right. Trump's implemented the kind of Kaizen method of continuously slapping uh, tariffs on products of different origins over the past three years. So essentially, for those of you who don't know, Kaizen is a form of continuous improvement. Obviously, it's not really improving. However, it's the idea of collectively, uh, you know, just over the three years, uh, adding more and more tariffs slowly, incrementally. And now the wide kind of array of tariffs are, in my opinion, actually, uh, nothing short of a consumption tax, right? So politicians, as we know, are very skilled at putting money into one of your pockets while simultaneously, sorry, uh, taking money uh, out of the other pocket. It is imperative, therefore, that especially American consumers 
understand the kind of now neglected tax reform, which obviously lowered income tax, uh, corporate tax, in the backdrop of Trump's tariffs, which is actually expected to cost American consumers an extra $1,000 annually, right? So if, let's say, for example, due to Trump's tax reform, you've been saving or, you know, essentially getting an extra $1,000 a year in your pocket because of the lower taxes, now you're going to be spending that on imports. Uh, so that, that that's kind of what I mean by neglected in a kind of quite general example. Anyways, my point is that a wasted $1,000 per consumer due to the you know, misallocation of market resources, due to this protectionist policy, sorry, it is essentially an extra $1,000 um, spent on the same quantity of goods, you know, on the same product, when it could really have been uh, spent on getting more of it, you know, so like namely European wine, cheese, sweaters, whatever, or getting different goods, right? Instead, it's being spent on the same amount of goods, the same type of goods, it's just essentially a deadweight loss. And, you know, if, for example, uh, the consumers weren't planning on spending that money in the first place, then it is an extra $1,000 uh, not saved per year. And obviously, which is, if you look at it paired with the extremely low interest rates and bond yields, it really hurts the average American saver. You know, milk, for example, uh, one of the goods that's being, um, that's now going to have a tariff on in, in respect, obviously, to the EU imports, as we know, is an input in the production of thousands of others, uh, thousands of other products, sorry. So yogurts, uh, your latte, and even, you know, cheese itself, right? So due to the law of the demand, obviously consumers and businesses are going to spend more resources on purchase, purchasing more expensive milk, right? The price goes up uh, just to consume less cheese, right? Demand, um, that, that's kind of what you're looking at. Increase implies, uh, increase, increasing price, sorry, uh, causes the quantity demanded or consumed in general uh, to fall, right? So if consumers are purchasing less also, then businesses have to sell less, right? It's just a supply and demand, you're looking at that. So even though domestic producers will be producing a larger share of the market, right? They'll be supplying um, more domestic goods than they were previously. Uh, there will be an overall falling consumption of milk, in theory, making American consumers worse off in the end, you know? So then you may ask yourself, well, what's the point of these tariffs? Well, aside from politics, obviously Trump is looking to uh, strengthen the dollar and bring more dollars back home, actually. So as researched by the P Peterson Institute for International Economics, uh, import tariffs can actually be negated uh, by a subsequent rise in the real exchange rate, right? So for example, like a stronger US dollar. So even though European wine is more expensive, uh, each dollar buys more euros, so essentially, uh, it negates, like I said, the import tariff or the effect of import tariffs. That's actually something we saw uh, happening in China or with China, uh, let's say, wherein the country actually depreciated its currency following a wave of Trump's tariffs, uh, in turn bringing the price of Chinese goods down, uh, back down, sorry, in dollar terms, right? So the tariff made uh, Chinese, uh, you know, good X more expensive, steel and aluminium, for example, the, the, uh, two big names flying around since the start of the trade war, in fact. And obviously then uh, it was brought back down by the depreciation of Chinese currency, right? So uh, let's move on. Essentially, an import tax on European wine will increase its dollar price, right? The level at which American importers may uh, cut back on purchasing wine from Europe and they may actually import from alternative countries, obviously, right? When the price goes up, they may look for alternative suppliers or just domestically, right? Look, or look for domestic uh, producers who are more competitive at that price level, whatever that price level may be. 
Anyways, what that means is that European wine producers' revenues may fall, uh, as the rise in the dollar price is obviously attributed to the tariff, right? The money from which goes to the American government. Because obviously the price rises, but the European companies don't actually get all of it. A lot of it is just genuinely the tax, which goes into the pockets of the American government, right? So with fewer dollars earned, because obviously uh, the price for the European producers is unchanged, even though demand has fallen, because uh, obviously the price for the American importers has increased, uh, the fewer dollars earned by European producers um, they will now exchange them for fewer euros, right? So the trade happens in uh, dollars, for example. So they go back home and they exchange them for fewer euros, right? So the dec decrease of uh, the dollars on the Forex market lowers its supply. So you're looking at just basic supply and demand forces here and essentially increases the exchange rate against the other countries, uh, currency, sorry, such as the euro. So for example, the uh, uh, dollar to euro exchange rate right I was, I was this is actually something that I've written on my article it's a bit technical but it really shows you when you sit down and read it that actually the tariff or the impact of the tariff is negated uh, by really the smart the kind of supply and demand forces of the market right it's it's a I don't want to say a paradox but it's complicated and it's very interesting to see how this all essentially works anyways so like I said the um, US dollar strengthens um, the European producers earn fewer dollars, right? And obviously, kind of, uh, what, what, what does this all mean? Essentially, the higher price of European goods in dollar terms, but the lower price of euros leaves American importers neither better or worse off than they were before, right? So obviously, you can imagine yourself, if uh, you're an American consumer and the prices of, Euro prices of European wine have gone up in euro terms, but then the, the US dollar has also strengthened uh, buying you more dollar and more euros, then it hasn't really, you know, in real terms, uh, there's been no financial impact. But uh, also European exporters, since they receive fewer dollars in revenue, but, you know, they each dollar buys them more euros. So it's a zero-sum game. Uh, I suggest you read up more on it. Uh, I hope you can kind of get your head around it uh, the way I'm explaining it. I think it's better just to kind of have a read through and really understand how each market moves, all the supplies and demands move to essentially come to a negated result. Nothing is happening between American importers and European exporters, just in theory. Obviously, there's many more things going on, but essentially when you're looking at this kind of setters paribus, that's what happens, aka not much. Uh, anyways, even though tariffs target specific goods and producers, currency fluctuations actually affects, the, it affects all trade within a country, right? So American exporters now, are worse off due to a stronger dollar, right? So essentially their exports are more expensive to foreign economies, leading to lower revenues for American export businesses. That is not good, obviously. Uh, so in fact, uh, export businesses worldwide, worldwide, I always mess that up, are worse off uh, because up to actually now, 80% of the world trade is conducted in dollars. So a stronger dollar, aka a more expensive dollar, means increased costs for importers, uh, which may cause them to uh, cut back on purchases, delay, uh, delay, sorry, payments, uh, might stockpile goods, or even default on payments if it gets too worse. If the dollar's too strong, uh, some dollar-denominated debts are too high for them, and the serving, servicing costs for that is too high as well, uh, they might simply default. Right, so obviously all in hopes of the trade tariff, sorry, subsiding. Uh, you know, they delay payments, they, they try to postpone things. 
which doesn't obviously seem likely in Trump's case. Anyways, uh, the aforementioned uh, kind of 25% tariff on the agricultural and industrial products was actually first meant to be even uh, up to 100%. So essentially a uh, big scare factor. But since July, when the possibility of tariffs on the European cheeses were first announced, uh, businesses, American businesses have started to stockpile goods. So Abriola Co. Inc., of New Jersey, USA has actually been stockpiling or has actually stockpiled, uh, I think it's around 15 million US dollars worth of EU cheese ahead of the uh, 18th of October, uh, you know, uh, when the tariffs are actually meant to be implemented to maintain a steady supply for, uh, they said, around a year, right? And they actually, they, they've built up the inventory capable of handling the kind of prices that are obviously going to be inevitably passed on by major importers uh, at least in the short run in the US. Anyways, that is actually very important because it's also why American consumers may not have felt the full force of all the tariffs, right? Their delayed impact is actually something which Trump is hoping to push past the election, uh, wherein he'll be able to kind of praise a stronger dollar and all of his uh, other big wins, as he actually mentioned. I actually link after this a video uh, to a quick YouTube clip of Trump uh, saying how the WTO ruling has been a big win uh, arguably are arrogant in this case. However, nevertheless, uh, the way I see it right now is that Trump has solved a problem, right, that is uh, European, unfair European competition, with another problem, and that is a whole array of tariffs impacting the US dollar, making it, you know, quote-unquote stronger, and increasing various costs of trade and business for, well, 80% of the world's trade, essentially, right? For every importer, there's an exporter, so in the end, it's a zero-sum game. Uh, it, just in theory, though, obviously, that, that, that's very important to note. It's not like nothing's going to happen, right? Trump can put out tariffs and nothing's going to happen. A lot of bad is going to happen. It, you know, it, made, it makes sorry, business more uncertain, trade more uncertain. There's a bigger risk to it. Obviously, there's a bigger cost for importers. Or, or it's actually also a risk for exporters since you know, the bigger cost for importers is obviously... Um, not an incentive for sure to buy from exporters uh, who pay, you know, where the transaction takes place in dollar-denominated terms. Anyways, just to kind of conclude this topic on the WTO, WTO ruling and uh, kind of European and American trade, American tariffs, they really divert US dollars from the forex market uh, to the US government, right? Therefore, shrinking its forex market supply and increasing its exchange rate. Right, so obviously all of these US dollars are getting taxed, they're going back into the government instead of on the forex market where companies may trade them for euros, for example. Uh, and essentially, yeah, like I said, it increases its exchange rate, it makes the US dollar stronger. It essentially negates the price impact of tariffs on American importers and it provides essentially a larger market share for uh, domestic US producers, but simultaneously actually putting export businesses uh, in America and abroad at risk due to, like I said, a stronger, more expensive, in other words, dollar. Dollar-denominated debts and their servicing costs rise in prices, like I said, providing uncertainty global businesses, global business and trade, sorry, and actually pressuring the Fed to lower interest rates even further than their already dangerously low levels. Uh, that, that's kind of where I want to get to now. So at the beginning, I also talked about how we talked about the central bank independence uh, quite generally and how Trump has been um, putting that in kind of harm's way, you can say. There's been a lot of talk about it, but essentially the central banks are independent from politics, uh, from politicians uh, to a certain extent. Uh, so, for example, Trump cannot 
tell uh, Jay Powell, the head, the, the Fed chair, you know, the whole kind of head of the Fed um, uh, kind of um, committee or just, you know, the central bank, let's just say, sorry, I'm rambling on. He, he can't tell him what to do, essentially, right? He can't tell him to increase the interest rates. He can't tell him to lower the interest rate. But his actions, you know, what he does, um, the tariffs, all his kind of, he's very vocal on Twitter. And obviously, the Fed needs to take that into account when looking at inflation forecasts, right? What is Trump going to do and how may our economy look in one year's time or, you know, just a few months time? And how do we act as a central bank uh, to keep the inflation target to obviously 2%, uh, prices steady, etc., etc., all their goals and objectives? Anyway, so there's been a lot of talk about Trump actually pressuring the Fed and even influencing them. Uh, you know, through his actions. And yes, he's been very vocal on Twitter. Like I said, he's been calling uh, Jay Powell some names. But really, in my opinion, he hasn't changed the law. Uh, obviously, he's vocal. It could be annoying. It could be pressurizing. However, he hasn't changed the law. So in my opinion, um, his kind of impact on the Fed has been very minimal. Jay Powell has himself, has, sorry, himself said that they do not react to politicians, what they say, and they don't use monetary policy as a tool to kind of uh, show off their, um, I don't want to say disobedience, but their independence, sorry, independence. It's not disobedience at all. It's independence. However, what the Fed does have to keep in mind is what the hell is Trump going to do, right? What, what's he going to do now? For example, their, tr their actions may be limited based on the economic conditions of the time. You know, for example, um, Trump has been pressuring them to lower the interest rate. There's been a lot of protectionist policies. Obviously, this isn't good for the economy and economic growth. And as such, the Fed might be pressured to actually decrease the interest rates as they have been doing for, they've done it twice this year, once in July, once in September, uh, by 25 basis points, both the times. But essentially, um, you could look at it from the other side and say, okay, well, the central bank certainly can't um, increase the interest rates because dollar-denominated debts and the U.S. debt, you know, they, they've got $22 trillion worth of debt, I think, their debt servicing costs would skyrocket, right? If you increase the interest rates, that is the interest at which uh, the government entities repay back their loans, right? I think Trump, uh, in a recent tweet, said, oh, Jay Powell, you should lower the interest rate to zero. It would make refinancing and all this kind of, you know, debt repayments very cheap for the Americans and obviously the U.S. government. It would be great. Obviously, that's pretty dumb, uh, to, say, to say the very least. I think I uh, wrote an article about this earlier um, so some time ago talking about very low interest rates have had negative interest rates in the ECB, oh, sorry, um, as kind of conducted by the ECB in the EU, in Europe. Uh, nevertheless, like I said, if the interest rate, if the Fed were to increase the interest rate, uh, in the US economy would be in big trouble and Trump keeps on piling more debt. So the Fed is stuck in between a rock and a hard place, right? Like many European producers, like many economic agents, it's we're so interconnected. There's such a high level of globalization that even though there is no legislature right now that Trump has changed in respect to pressurizing the uh, Fed, everyone's actions impact on one another. Uh, that is kind of obvious, but nevertheless, this has been my episode of Trump's globalization tax. There's a lot to talk about. I might actually quickly just mention that uh, European producers, right? Uh, let's look at it from their perspective. Just just uh, uh, last thing to say, there was actually Spanish company, Spanish, uh, I believe it was Wine Yard, 
which um, had chosen America or the US as their main exporting partner, trade partner, following um, the UK's Brexit, right, exit from the European Union. But now that Trump has uh, threatened, actually been implementing or is about to implement tariffs, now, you know, Spanish companies, uh, French companies, Italian companies, depending on the product, depending on the industry, are now stuck in between a rock and a hard place, right? They're stuck in between Brexit, uh, tariffs from the other side. You know, there's, like I said earlier, it's this is the embodiment of trade uncertainty, business uncertainty, which Trump with his tariffs and his globalization tax, because that's really what it is. His industries aren't as competitive in some cases, obviously, right? And therefore he's imposing tariffs, taxes. It's all the same, right? A tariff is a tax, a tax on the American importer, which is the American consumer, because those who import, they manufacture, they produce, and they sell to the American public. Um, and the, pr the main problem with this is politics, right? The crazy politics behind it this all. What it means in the longer run, in a few years' time, it doesn't matter. Because what Trump needs, or what, what he thinks he needs, what he wants now, is a strong US dollar for the next election. Presidents, as, as opposed sorry, to the central bank, they think in very short terms, right? They think from election to election. They think in four-year terms, five-year terms. So they're going to just want to get the best, you know, strongest dollar, if that's maybe good or not to happen around the election time as a unique selling point and, you know, as a talking point in politics, whereas the central bank, thankfully, because it's independent, it's looking at the long run, right? 2% inflation year on year, whether that's good or bad, that's not the point. It's the idea that they're looking at the long run and therefore they're trying to implement policies which will aid the US econo economy or just, you know, their own economy, any central bank uh, to be a machine of economic uh, power, right? Business power in the long run. Whereas the president or presidents, politicians, they look at right, what's going to be, what's going to get me elected next year? That's the core fundamental problem with politics. They think about the votes, not about the people. They think about the votes, not about the economy. Even though the economy, a better economy, means votes. In the short term, there's just a mismatch between the importance of, uh, like I said, people, economy, votes money, all that kind of stuff. And like I said, Trump uh, is meant to be pro-economy, he's meant to be pro-business, pro which is great, he's right-wing. I agree, you know, with pro-business ideas, but this is not. Trump's globalization tax, Trump's tariffs are very anti-business, they're anti-consumer, they're anti-global trade, right? We're seeing a wave of essentially anti-globalization, deglobalization, uh, and this is going to change economics uh, economics, you know, how we work, how we think, monetary policy for a very, very long time. Anyways, this has been Worldwide Economy. I have rambled on for quite some time now. Anyways, I hope you've learned something. I really uh, hope I provide some value here. Anyways, guys, check me out on investingintellect.com where I post the blogs. You can read this in written analysis format, obviously a bit more condensed. Uh, have a great week and goodbye.